0: Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Unplugged. We'll be exploring topics that we need to unplug from, things like busyness, distractions, toxic relationships, bitterness, and misguided values. When we unplug from these things, we can then plug into God and focus on what really matters. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info@pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. this new series called unplugged say unplugged and so the thought is I've had a lot of people asking me what, what's the thought here and what we're going to be doing in these messages we're actually going to be exploring and we're going to be talking about topics that we need to unplug from things that we may be busyness uh, or, or busyness or distractions or toxic relationships that we need to unplug from, maybe unplugging from bitterness and isolation and unplugging from misguided values because our culture uh, obviously is feeding all kinds of values to us that don't line up with the Word of God, and so I want to talk about unplugging from that and plugging into God, and so I'm hoping as we go in uh, this month, as we begin to talk about unplugging, uh, that God will help us unplug from something, plug into something else, and focus our attention on what's better, on what things God wants us to focus on. And so when I think about focus, many times one of the attributes of Jesus that we don't give him credit for is Jesus was tremendously focused. Say focus. And the thing about Jesus was many times people try to get him off course. People try to distract him from his mission. We understand that Jesus had a mission, why he came to this earth And there are all kinds of people that would always try to distract him or get him off of his mission. The Bible said there are several teachers and the religious people, the Pharisees, the, the people of the law would always try to get him distracted or get him unfocused from his mission. Uh, one time they came to him and said, your disciples don't wash their hands right. Would you believe that? There was a certain ceremony how they had to wash their hands and they wanted Jesus to pay attention to that. Another time, you know the story where they wanted him to get this woman stoned because she had committed adultery and we, of course we see the grace and the love of God. But Jesus always stood on his mission. He always stood focused and we understand that Jesus was a God of mercy, a God of compassion. We understand that. But he's also man of focus. In fact, when you read the Bible, he says this in John chapter 4, verse 34. He goes, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So what Jesus ate for lunch was to do the will of God. That's what I'm having for lunch, he said. That's what my nutrition is, is is I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to stay on my mission. In fact, not only did religious people try to distract Jesus, but even his own disciples at the time tried to distract Jesus and try to get him off his mission. One day the Bible said that Peter uh, was talking to him, and Jesus began to talk about how he was going to go to Jerusalem, how he was going to suffer many things there, and how they were going to crucify him, and he was going to die on the cross. And Peter said, not so, Lord, never. Lord, you're the king. Man, you're the one in charge. We don't want you to die. And you know what Jesus answered him and said? Jesus said, you know what? Get behind me, Satan. You don't mind the things of God, but you're minding the things of men. You got the things of men on your mind, not the things of God. He said, get behind me. See, every time people try to get Jesus off of his mission, he would say, get behind me. Are you listening to me? Get behind me. I'm moving forward into the mission and the will of God. See, he was tremendously focused. And I believe that's the lesson that we all need to learn. I believe even myself. I, I I try to take after that example and try to be a focused person. In fact, I'm most of the time I'm pretty focused. Not in everything, okay. If you go to my garage, I'm not very focused, okay. And so I'm not very focused on on. But when it comes to ministry, and when it comes to the church, I'm very focused. You can talk to the people that work with me here in the leadership. They know that I'm tremendously focused. Uh, uh, They know when it comes to ministry, I'm tremendously focused. Uh, I I will point out things. I will make sure things get back in line, things that are not getting done, make sure they get done. And I have found this morning that I could be really, really focused. But at the same time, I understand that there are things that the enemy wants to get us distracted. They distract it. And any time the Lord tried to get us focused, there's always an enemy there trying to get us distracted and trying to get us to go in different ways. In fact, and this is the truth here. I know it's going to be a little, a little hard for some of you to see this in just a moment, moment, but the Europeans were very brilliant or very ingenious in the Middle Ages of how they tortured people. I know it doesn't sound good. They were very brutal. They were very cruel. Uh, They were brilliant in the ways they came up to how they would torture people. And one of the ways they would do what they would do is they would get a person and they would get a horse on each limb of that person. And why don't you go ahead and show the picture so you can kind of get it. And that's what they would do. Okay, I know it's kind of hard for you to watch that. But this is what they would do to torture someone. And they called this dismemberment. Or quarter, quartering is what they called it, but believe it or not, the French word for this is called distraction. Say distraction. You can take the picture down. And they would do this distraction, where they would get a person and they would pull him in different directions. And I begin to think about our own lives. How many? How many are easily distracted? I mean, isn't it amazing how easily we become distracted? I mean, we got this little phone here. This could be a very big distraction. I mean, we get all these pop-ups. We get all these things coming up, you know. And and it feels like, man, we're getting pulled in so many different directions. And when that happens, we can miss the blessings of God. We can miss a moment and where God is trying to minister to us, but we're being pulled so many different ways. In fact, even when I'm preaching, I can get distracted. Watching some of you people distracts me, <laughs> believe it or not, because you're looking at your phone, and, and, then, and, then, and then all of a sudden there's a guy sleeping in the middle of the heat thing here. And If I get louder, I'm usually trying to wake him up, you know, and, and somebody's carrying a baby and all these different things, and, and I can get really, really, really distracted. Sometimes the expressions on your face can really show me how distracted. Some of you guys look really, really bored sometimes. You have this face. You just look bored. And, and see, look at that distraction. Did you see that? And see, it's hard to talk over all of that distraction. It's hard to talk over when people are, you know, they, they're getting up, walking around and, and doing all of that. It's hard to do that. Now, I staged that phone just, by, just to give you that. But I wanted you to realize that there's so many things that are distracting us and pulling us in so many directions. And let me just say this, not every distraction is an evil thing. Not every distraction is a bad thing. Sometimes we're distracted by good things, but they're not the best things. See, sometimes we're doing things that are good, but they're not the best for you. They're a distraction to your life to something greater and bigger for your life. Let me just be honest with you. How many understand that we have a spiritual enemy? His name is the devil. And he has many ways of pulling us in a different direction because the fact is, if the devil doesn't need to destroy you physically, what he'll do is he'll distract you. And by distracting you, he can destroy what God wants to do in your life. And that's why it's very important that your posture, that your position really matters. How you position yourself, how you posture yourself really matters to God. And it really matters to what God's going to do in your life. Otherwise, you can be distracted. So I want to pray before I get into this message today and pray that the Lord will help us as we uh, prepare to just kind of dive into this message. Let's just believe God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you that your word is true, that your word is powerful, that your word applies to us even in 2019, that it's not outdated. But God, we need more of it. And I pray today that we would be good soil and that the seed of the word of God would be planted deeply into our soul, that it can bear fruit. And we can see a harvest of, of righteousness and goodness and the things of God flowing out of our life. Father, right now, remove every distraction. Remove those things, Lord, that are on our minds, even things that can pop up on our phone, God. Help us to focus. In fact, help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray for the anointing of God that I declare your word. And, Father, that your people would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and the people said, Amen. amen. So let's look at this verse of Scripture. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38... A very meaningful story, but I think there's a lot of truth to this. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to his word, but Martha was what? Say it again. Distracted by all the preparations that had, to be bl- that had to be made. Now, when I look at Martha's life, I don't completely blame her. And sometimes when you read the story, she gets a real bad rap because we know Jesus has come to her home. Now, I don't know about you, but when you have a special guest like Jesus and rumors said that he's the son of God, you're going to have a bit of anxiety. You're going to wonder, man, Well, I, I got all these preparations. I, I got to make sure that everything's just right. And she's probably, you know, got a pot roast in, in, in the oven. She's probably got a cobbler going to go in right after that. She wants to make the, sure the toilet paper matches the shower curtains and, and you know, whatever you got to do. You know how women are. And they, they got the carpet, this thing, the little soap bottle. Everything has to match. And they got to make sure that Jesus, you know, had the refill on the tea and all of that. So all of that is going. On and she's preparing and all this anxiety, but the Bible says that, that she would distract it, and then all of a sudden she realizes while she's doing all this work in the house, she looks around and Mary is not around helping her. She says, Where's Mary? She looks outside and she sees Mary positioned there at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, and she gets angry. How many have one of those relatives in your house? Well, brothers, they're always just never around when work needs to be done. Am I right? We all got one. If you saying, "I don't got one," guess what? If you say that, you're the one. That's right. You're it. Somehow they always find a way when work needs to be done. They're not in the house When the conversation is going. They're conveniently away in the other room. And and so here is Martha. She's laboring. She's getting preparations going. uh, uh, She's got this anxiety going on. uh, And she's wondering, where is uh, my sister Mary? And I can just tell you today that, all of us have been in a place where we feel so distracted, where we feel like, man, what's going on? And then she even gets angry, so angry, that she comes to Jesus to see if Jesus can sort everything out. Now, Jesus is the guest. Now you're asking the guest to kind of be the head butler. You know, can you, can you straighten this whole problem out? And so she comes to Jesus, uh, and Jesus answers her and says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. And, and Luke chapter 10, verse 41 You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. Say better. And it will not be taken away from her. See, he could have said, you know, there are a lot of things that are important, but he said just a few things. Indeed, only one. And he's saying, Martha, you know what? You have a good heart, but you're distracted. And I just want to say to you, Martha, that Mary, she showed them the best thing. And I just want you to know it's not going to be taken away from her. And it's interesting to me that both women were in the exact same place, but only one woman took advantage of a moment with Jesus. See, isn't it tremendous? Isn't it interesting That we could be in the same place, but one person gets touched by God and the other one does not. Could it be that it's not the seed that has the problem, but it's our own soil of our heart? Could it be that it's the distractions, that we're being so distracted by so many things that we don't receive what God is trying to do in our lives? See, Martha was not necessarily doing anything wrong. She was, again, preparing, but she was not doing what was best. She was missing a moment with Jesus. She was missing that time with Jesus. And Mary said, you know, I'm not going to miss this moment. I I got laundry to do. I got a lot of things to do today. I got to go shopping. I got to go to the market. I got to do all these things. But you know what? Jesus is in the house. I'm taking advantage of that. I'm not missing out on that. And so she's there at the feet of Jesus, listening to his word, hearing what he's got to say. Because did you know that when you read that story, that that's the last time Jesus comes to that house. The next time we read about Jesus, he's on the way to the cross. So Martha missed that last moment with the presence of God. Could it be that we're so occupied and so distracted in life so many times that we could miss a moment with God? Again, let me just say that our spiritual enemy many times does not necessarily get us doing what's bad, but he can get us doing things that we become too busy. Are you hearing me? We're busy doing this. We're busy doing that. And we don't position ourselves in life to what really matters we're going around everywhere. We're making the wrong things priority. We're being pulled in different directions, uh, and our attention is being pulled here and there and oh, everywhere. What is that? Uh, Mickey, Minnie Mouse, whatever it is. We're being pulled everywhere. And all of a sudden, instead of doing what's good for us, uh, we're, we're, we're doing what's not good for us in a sense. Think about this. If church is the only time, that you consistently and regularly receive wisdom and direction from God, why would you skip church? If if that's the only consistent time where you receive from God, where God is ministering to your life, where you receive something in your heart, why would you miss that? And so Mary said, man, you know what? I see Jesus, uh, and I'm going to get a hold of him. See, this is why this message or this month these messages are going to be challenging to you are you ready for this it's going to challenge you because most of you are going to be convinced that the way you're living is not necessarily right but you think well you know it's okay and so as I minister these messages to you you're going to say well you know I don't really need to change all that much and can I really be honest with you today are you hearing me can I, can I be honest I'm really pushing, I I, want to rock your world a little bit. I'm going to really push what God wants to say to a lot of us because a lot of us are comfortable with salvation when God wants transformation. We're comfortable with salvation, but God wants transformation. We just want to rest and being saved. We just want to rest. Well, I'm, I'm saved. That's it. No, no. We need to be transformed. Our minds need to be transformed. In fact, let me read you this scripture many of you are familiar with in Romans 12:2 it says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You want to change your life, change the way you think. Then you will learn to know God 's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what I want to do this Month or this in this series, if I'm really shooting for some radical life-altering changes in your life. I want to challenge you. I really want to challenge us today. I want us to be open to what God may have for us. Otherwise, the distractions we can miss what the Lord has. Again, Jesus said, "Martha, Martha." Again, it reminds me of the Brady Bunch, right? Marcia, Marsha." Amen. The Lord answered, "You're worried and upset." about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. That was the choice that we all have. We all have a choice. Say choice. We all have a choice. We have to decide what we're going to make priority, what's going to be important, what really matters, what we're going to allow in our lives. Otherwise, all of these things can become a distraction. Now I want to go to another story where Jesus talks about the distractions of life. And I want to go to Matthew chapter 13. So if you could turn there with me. The Bible says the same day, I'm going to read verse number one. Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea. Now as I was reading that particular phrase, I got distracted, okay. And so I said, wait a minute, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, I said, the same day, what was Jesus doing earlier in that day? So I had to go back a few verses. I went to the end of Matthew chapter 12. Remember, when they wrote this, they didn't write it in chapters. That's just for your convenience. It's one story. So I went back a few more verses, and I went into Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. It says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside, Wanting to speak to him. Now, I don't know about you, if your family is wanting to speak to you, it's probably pretty important. And they probably wanted some uh, family time, whatever it was. But I'm always wondering why Jesus responded to this, because in Matthew chapter 12 here, it says, uh, Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Now, let me just, let me put a disclaimer in here, okay? You teenagers, don't do this at home. If your mom comes asking for you, Asking you, don't say, who is my mother? I'll tell you who your mother is right now. Who is my brother? I'll tell you who that is. She tells you to clean that room, you better get over there and clean that room. She's the one that wiped your butt and provides everything for you. You better listen to her. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am saying, it's interesting that Jesus was unwilling to be distracted by enemies, but also would not even be distracted by those that were closest to him. See, I believe in family. Believe me, I'm a family. I, I got six brothers, man. There's, there's seven of us all together. It's a big family. A, a lot of my cousins, they got ten kids. Could you imagine that? And, and all these different things. So I, I have a big family. There's a lot of family events, needless to say. I realized this morning I cannot make every event. I can't make every church even. I can't make every birthday party. I can't make every gathering. So there are some things that I cannot miss. Cannot miss weddings. I cannot miss a funeral. There's things that I just cannot miss. But there are other things that, you know what, I just have to send a card. I just have to send a note because I can't make everything. I can't possibly be at every single place. It's impossible, and neither can you. Somebody say Amen. So Jesus is saying who is the who is my brother and my sister Jesus is teaching us basically not to have a distracted heart and he's given us an example and then we go right on to the story Matthew 13 verse 1 and 3 and so the same day Jesus went out of the house sat by the sea such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it and while all the people stood on the shore then he told them many things in parables. Now, now he told them in parables. In fact, in other places in the scripture, the Bible says, in fact, later on in that chapter, he talks about that he only spoke to them from that time in parables. Now, parables are stories, but they have a spiritual analogy. When Jesus shared a story, he was illustrating a spiritual meaning that would go beyond the physical story, but that you would see the spiritual meaning behind the story. And so many times when Jesus was sharing a story, he wanted you to catch the spiritual meaning behind what he was saying. In other words, there is a spiritual analogy behind what he was saying. And so in Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow seed. In other words, he was planting these seeds. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And I love, I love the illustration here. I love the image of what's going on. He's saying uh, life is like, man, a lot of seed being scattered. How many know we try to organize our seed? We try to keep our ducks in a row. But how many know life, man, is like a scattered seed, man? Things hit you from everywhere. It's hard. You say, man, life can be scattering. Life can be so many different things. In fact, Jesus, when he was talking to them, he was talking in agriculture term because it was an agriculture community. So he began to share a story, an agriculture analogy, because he wanted them to catch the spiritual meaning. And so he started talking about seeds. He said the farmer went out, and he was scattering the seeds. And he said the Bible says some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Matthew chapter 13, verse 4 through 9. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still others' seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, a sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has he ears, let them hear. In other words, whoever really listening—not with your ears, but with your spiritual ears, your your heart. Whoever is listening, let him hear what is going on. Again, Jesus is explaining this to the disciples uh, uh, because the crowd now has been listening, and so he kind of pulls the disciples uh, aside. Because how many know we could be a little slow? And so it was like tutoring class after, you know, after school. He said, okay, guys, I'm going to explain this to you. I'm going to show you what this means. So if you jump down a few verses to verse 18, Jesus gives the spiritual explanation of the story here in Matthew 13, 18. Just be patient with me. I want to show you something. He said, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and wants to receive it with joy, but since it has no root, they last only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorn refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life. And the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. Now, when I've read this parable of when I've heard a teaching on this parable, I've always related to four different types of people that have four different types of heart that are receiving the word of God. And first, it talks about the one that it was sown on the path, These are the people that, that will hear the gospel but won't really respond to it, and they don't really pay attention to it. It doesn't seek in. And they move on with their life, and what the truth that they heard is kind of get vanishes or it gets snatched away. The second one talks about how it was uh, sown on a rocky ground. And basically, this is where it didn't have any deep roots. Uh, the, these people came to church, they lifted their hand, may have even been baptized, uh, uh, but they didn't follow through with their decision. They didn't last long because there was not deeply rooted in their heart. And then the third one talks about the person that's so consumed with the world that uh, the things of God get choked out of their life and they fall away. And the fourth one, it talks about the people who receive the word of God and the harvest of that seed that was planted in their heart takes deep root and they reproduce a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. And most of us, when we read that, would say, That's me. Man, that's me. I'm I'm, I'm, man. I'm good soil. Tell someone, I'm good soil. I'm good soil. We all want to be the good soil, right? You know, some of us might say, you know what, Pastor, I'm, I'm humbly, I'm 60. Some of you go, Pastor, I'm a little bit more humble. I'm, I'm pushing 30 right now. I'm just pushing 30 right now, but, but, but I'm good soil. And we all want to say that. We all want to be able to say that that's it. But is it possible That Jesus isn't talking about four different people. I'm not saying that he's not. I'm just saying, is it possible that Jesus could be talking about our own heart and how our own heart could just in one day be all four of these? That you came to 11 o'clock service, and man, you received the word, and man, it got in your heart, but by time 3 o'clock comes, are you ready for this? By the time 3 o'clock comes, man, uh, all of a sudden, uh, man, uh, it becomes a little rocky. By 3.30, man, it's choking things out of your life. By 7 o'clock, uh, the, that seat is so shallow, it's snatched out. You done forgot you even came to church on Sunday. Is it possible? And I want to look at these different distracted hearts in this scripture because I believe it really represents uh, Our own heart. The the first one the Bible says, uh, it got snatched away. In other words, it just got snatched. Had, Had somebody ever snatched something from you? Somebody ever taken something from you? I don't know if you've ever met someone, man, they snatched something out of your life. The Bible says the birds of the air came and snatched the seed right out of their life. It snatched to seed right out of their heart. It's possible today that some of you, by the time you get out to the parking lot, whatever was said here and planted there could get snatched away just like that. It could just get removed out of you. Uh, it's possible this morning that if you're taking notes, that the enemy could come in and just snatch it away right, just right there. I found that even in my own life that I, I could remember something uh, and I, I, I could be you know in the shower, I could be uh, uh, you know just having a great old time, and God giving me revelation, and by the time I get out of the shower and try to put it in my phone, uh, the whole thought just gone. I mean, I was flowing in the shower, man, things were going, everything was happening just right, you know, and, and I, I don 't know what happened. Boom, it just gone just like that. Jesus said that along the path you're living life, and all of a sudden. Uh, The birds will be like an enemy that will snatch the good stuff out of your life before you have the opportunity to see the good, the fruit of it in your life. The Bible said the farmer went out and he scattered seed. See, I believe God is scattering seed. There are going to be opportunities for you. Maybe there have been opportunities for you this past week where you could have done some good, where you could have ministered to someone, where you could have went out of your way to reach out to someone. You had, but all of a sudden, all these other things came around and distracted you, and those opportunities got snatched away. The Bible said it was these birds, these ugly birds, I like to say they were the raven birds, uh, ravens uh, from Baltimore that came and snatched the seed out of that person's heart. Snatched that seed. As soon as it was trying to uh, get rooted in there, something happened and it got snatched. They snatched. It's possible this morning that we have opportunity that God's trying to do something in our life. And what happened, it just gets snatched away. It could be that you're at the table with your family, and you're sitting there, and you have an opportunity to engage in conversation, but all of a sudden that phone rings, and it gets snatched away. It could be where your teenager is struggling with something, and he's going through something, and he's trying to talk to you, but you're too busy on Facebook communicating with people. Opportunity to get snatched away. All of a sudden, you had this opportunity to be in Sunday school. You could have joined one of the ministries to make a difference in a child's life. But you know what? You're just not feeling it. It got snatched away. Man, you had an opportunity to serve in some kind of ministry. But you know what? It's just not convenient for you. you, got, you got, you're busy. You got too many things away. Could it be the enemy just snatching things away from you? You had an opportunity to sign up for that marriage retreat that could have healed your marriage, did a miracle in your but the enemy just snatched it away. You say, that's not important. Enemy just snatches away. See, I'm convinced this morning that there are opportunities that God gives us. There's potential in that seed. Again, there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's our soil. Can you say amen? Somebody all of a sudden, you know what, rubs you wrong. By the time you leave this church, somebody rubbed you wrong. Somebody looked at you wrong. And and by the time you get out of the parking lot, that seed is snatched. They burnt your bagel, the seed is snatched. I'm mad, I'm upset. Pastor didn't shake my hand. I'm mad, I'm upset. You, it's, it's not your seed just like that. Are you hearing me? This is why it's important this morning when we come to church that that seed this morning gets planted deeply rooted in our hearts. Otherwise, it's going to get snatched. I said it's going to get snatched. Is it possible sometimes we come to church and, and, and God trying to speak to us, God trying to do something in us. We want to get blessed, but we're too distracted. Why is that girl wearing that? Why is she wearing that outfit? Why did they extend the stage? Why did they do this? And, man, what's that little peck up in the ceiling? What's that white thing there? You're all distracted. May, you, can you try this? Why don't you try this for the next three weeks? After service, when you're leaving with someone or you know someone, why don't you ask the question, what did God speak to you in the sermon today? Wouldn't that be a shocker? I think you would shock the devil. He, would, he wouldn't even know what to do because you've never done it before. The devil would say, what's going on? What happened? What, what are you talking about? Why don't you tell somebody, you know what? what, what did God speak to you? Instead of going, where are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat at? What restaurant are we going to? I don't want to go there. Instead of maybe talking about the sermon for like a minute, maybe something. See, I, I feel like there's some birds in here that need to get shot. There's some birds that need to get shot. Somebody get me a gun. Oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get these, uh, these uh, what is it, these animal activists after me. But I, I'm saying it's very possible that I'm, that I'm preaching the word of God that the devil's snatching. God's trying to give you some encouragement this morning. The devil, devil's coming and snatching it away. God's trying to confirm something. The devil's trying to snatch it away. God's trying to get you to take another step of commitment. devil snatches it away. All these different things we're taking steps, and all of a sudden the enemy, everything he can, every chance, opportunity he can, he's snatching it away because he knows the potential and the harvest that can come out of your life. He knows there's a fruitfulness that can come. Now, how many thank God for technology? I do. I mean, technology is the blessing and a curse. Let's just admit it. I read this quote. I I have to read this to you. It says, it makes our lives insignificantly efficient, more productively distracted than ever before. We are now efficiently distracted with the highest quality content in the history of humanity. Congratulations. Now, I'm so burdened this morning, even as a pastor in this church, I'm so burdened by the ministry that flows out of this church and so many that blessing gets snatched away. When I think of all the giftings, again, I'm not boasting, I'm not being prideful, I'm rejoicing over. God and people and the giftings and the and the different things that God uses them. I mean, the the people that greet you from the time you walk in, the people that sit you down, the ushers, the people in the cafe that help serve you, the people that take care of your children in a nursery and all of that. All I mean, the gifting to flow, our worship team as they're singing, the music and they're getting us into the presence of God, the media team, man, as they put pictures up, the sound that you hear clearly. I'm burdened this morning that we're getting all of this that comes, the the teaching that goes forth. But if we're not careful this morning, all of that, there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's our soil. The seed's good. It's the soil. And what happened this morning, the birds come and snatch it away and keep it from bearing fruit, and they distract us. Tell somebody, don't let the birds snatch it away. Come on. How, how, many, how many of us, man, we, we, we start looking on Netflix, just something simple, and it takes you two hours to look for a movie. <laughs> By that time, you don't even have time to watch the movie. And the devil snatch your date night just like that. Date night's gone. Your wife goes, I'm going to sleep. I ain't got no time to watch this no more. Devil snatch that opportunity away. I'm talking about going from just what's bash or good to what's bash. The second thing the Bible says that the seed was scorched. Say scorched. Matthew 13, verse 5. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Now, this is for all of us that are living superficial and shallow lives. Because what happens is when we live superficial and shallow lives, our hearts and our lives get scorched. We get distracted. Sometimes we can get so busy that we become so busy, so busy, but we're barren. Busy, but barren. There's no fruit coming out of your life. You could be responding to say, Oh, well, I gotta respond to some text, but say nothing. Just, are the emojis and LOL. You're not saying anything. You're just thumbs up, you know, hitting me your head, all these different things. Well, you said nothing. You said nothing. You didn't write anything back. You just said little signs and signals. That's all you did. You said a lot of nothing. And we could be so busy that we're saying nothing and doing nothing. You can be so busy sometimes that, that you know what? You can follow people on Facebook and you can know what they had for lunch, but you don't even know who your kids are hanging out with. You have no idea what they're up to right now. You're so busy following other people on Facebook, you're so busy following their lives, you're not following the people that are most important to you. Isn't that something? You're getting scorched. Devil's burning. See, it has an appearance of productivity. But it's not productive. It has an appearance of life, but it has no root. That's what it says, it's shallow. See, root represents commitment. Root represents something that it's anchored to. Root represents something that it's tethered to. And so many of us, we're so uprooted or so easily uprooted because of our distraction that the seed of God cannot produce any fruit in you this morning. And I want you to realize that we got to get to a point where we make priorities and what's important for God, we put it up first. Can you say amen? How many of us have ever said, man, I want to get healthier? But there's no root to what you say. First cupcake, man, you're eating it. (laughs) You'd be at the office. You don't even know the guy in, in, in accounting. I'll have a cupcake for him. Oh, that guy in the warehouse? Yeah, I'll eat that cupcake. What's his name, Harold? Yeah, I'll have a cupcake for him. Go ahead, bring it. Now, I'm talking about fitness, but I can even say for uncommitted church members. Now, you're here, so you can give yourself a hand. You're here. And, and and maybe you haven't been here for a while, but you could act like you've been here for, like, months already, clapping, all that. But what I'm saying, I'm talking about those people that maybe are watching online, and they didn't come today because, you know, it's, it's kind of cold out there. Oh, my God, it's going to rain. I might get wet. Never heard of umbrellas. Never heard that. But, man. Or it really gets me when they start having a family. Uh, little Johnny, uh, are we going to go to church today? Oh, kids, uh, when does a 10-year-old make a decision for the family? When does a 12-year-old make a decision? Why are you even having that conversation with your kids? So many of us, we're having conversations with our kids, whether they're going to go to church. Are we going to church this week? Do you tell them that Monday morning? Uh, when they go? Are, we, are you going to go to school today? Do you feel like going to school? And then we wonder why we're having problems with them later on in life because you didn't give them any roots. You didn't show them any principles of the things of God. <laughs> then you say, well, you know what, little Johnny, man, he, you know, he, he's on a soccer team. We, we, we can't come on Sundays. You know, we're on a travel team. You know we're, we're traveling, you know, we're traveling the world. You know, we're, we're, we're going to this state and that state. But then you're not showing them any priorities, are you? You're not giving him any roots in the things of God. And then when Johnny's 30 years old and going through two marriages in his life, you're wondering why he's not in church. Because you didn't show him. You didn't give him any roots. You didn't put the seed of God in him. Let me tell you, little Johnny's not going to be a pro, okay? I'm just going to break your heart right now. He's not going in the pro. I know what the coach said. All the coaches say the same thing. Oh, there's potential in that kid. Oh, yeah, I see. Oh, I've never seen like We've seen him 100 times, a dozen times. Are you hearing me? Yeah, I'm breaking out. What's wrong with soccer? I'm not talking about soccer. I'm talking about the seed that has been scored because it hasn't been rooted deep enough in your life. Not talking about that. What I'm saying to you is we got to plant the seed. See, if there's no priority, there's no sense of value, we've got to show our kids commitment. We got to show them what's valuable here. We got to let them know, man, this is what we believe in. The next thing was the Bible said they got choked. It said in Matthew 13, it says the seed falling, from thorn, falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, say worries, and the deceitfulness of wealth choked the word, making it unfruitful. He said the worries of this life. He didn't say the responsibilities of life. See, the worries is what's killing people today. People are worried about so many things. Some of us are, are distracted by things. And, and, and the reason why we're distracted is we're interpreting things that are, haven't even happened yet. It's, it, it, the devil has the power of suggestion. He, he's putting suggestions in your mind about things, and they haven't even happened yet. You're worried about things that not even happened yet. You haven't even, you're worried about your kid decisions uh, and they haven't even made them yet. You're worried about what's going to happen over here and nothing's even happened yet. And the enemy has the power of suggestion and he puts it in your mind and he's choking you out. He's distracting you. He's choking you. Are you listening to me? I'm not talking about the Rams and the Super Bowl either. <coughs> I'm not talking about them. Somebody need to pull a hymick on that coach, man. That guy was choking. But some, I want to just say this to you. I, I, I was rooting for the round, but they choked. Let's just be honest. They choked. And so you can't score three points and win a Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. You can't do it. Anyway, um, what was I talking about? Boy, I got a bunch of people angry today and distracted. See, I want to say this to you that even in ministry, I found that things that I worried about in ministry, in church, never, ever even happened. 95% of things that I was worried about as a pastor never even happened. But they were choking the life out of me. See, if you're not careful, circumstances will choke the life. You need to come up for some air, man. You need to stop choking on these things that are distracting your life. The Bible says another thing, they were distracted, or what choked them out was the deceitfulness of riches, and I'm not talking about when we think about that, when I think about riches, you go, oh, yeah, those are the guys on Shark Tank. Oh, yeah, that's Mr. Wonderful. That's Kevin. That's Damon. That's who those guys. That's Lori. Oh, yeah, that's Mark Cuban. Oh, yeah. What's his name, Jeff Bezos? Basil, that Amazon guy. Oh, those are for entrepreneurs. Those are for rich people. Those are for people, man, they got a lot of money. You know, uh, money is the root of all evil. No, no, it's the love of money is the root of all evil. I've known people that are more obsessed with money that don't even have money. I've known people, man, that hardly have anything, but they're more obsessed with money than people that have it. So if we're not careful this morning, we can get choked by the care of this life. We can be choked by the wealth of this life. And we don't realize this morning that the enemy is trying to blind us and trick us into getting more stuff. And we think the more stuff that we have, that we're going to be more satisfied. Friend, it's choking you out. It's a trick of the enemy to choke you out. The care of this life, all of these things, that it has no root. It's choking you out. I told you there's going to be this last one. It's just the good fruit. And I'm going to go back to that good fruit. But I want to move into Jesus kind of transitioned the story. And he finishes the parable, but he transitioned it to another short story. But he's making the same point. Let me just read this. And I'm going to close in just a few moments. Matthew 13, 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man that sowed what? Good seed. Say Good seed. So what kind of seed? It was a good seed. And the Bible says that he planted the good seed in the field. And in verse 25 it says, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed head, then the weeds also appeared. So the Bible says that somehow as they went out and planted good seeds in the field, and while they were sleeping, the Bible says, an enemy came and put some weeds there. So let me just tell you something. The enemy will always try to sabotage your life. Can I be honest with you? You have destiny. I said you have destiny. Everyone in here, you have destiny. God put a destiny in your life. In other words, the seed of God is in you. The Bible says we're created in his image. You've got God seeding you for destiny, and the devil knows that, and he's trying to rob your destiny. And so what he does is he begins to plant seeds along. What happens is when you're sleeping, when you're unaware, the devil will plant things in your life, and you won't recognize them many times. The enemy can't take away your destiny, but he can plant something next to it, That will keep you from recognizing it. Did you hear me? He can't take it away. But he can find a way to plant something next to it so that you won't recognize it. I can tell you today, one of the weeds that the devil sows, even in the church of God, is called pornography. Can I preach? Pornography is an epidemic. It is an epidemic, especially among young people. Girls and boys they said pornography is in such an epidemic it's a 97 billion dollar industry that is more than microsoft google amazon ebay yahoo apple and netflix combined they say that 64% 64% that's more than one out of two 64% of young people ages 13 to 24 actively seek out pornography see, because our enemy sees the destiny in our young people and so he get, he's getting them to watch stuff that they don't know any better right now so he could choke out the, the seed that's in him them so they won't see the fruitfulness and the harvest of God in them are you listening to me and so the devil's finding any kind of way to plant something. He, he plants greed. He plants offense. You can get offended with people. And he plants it right next to it. And see, what the Bible says in that scripture says, that the enemy came, planted the seed, and then went away. And the Bible says that the next day, the workers, when they were out there, they realized, they came to the owner and said, didn't you plant good seed He said, yes. He said, well, man, you know what? We've seen some weeds here. See, sometimes it takes some people from the outside to see the weed in your life. And you have to recognize and say, okay, there's some weeds because you can't see them. Somebody else needs to point them out. I believe the Holy Ghost wants to uproot some weeds out of your life today. How many can say amen? The Bible says while they were asleep, while he was asleep. So while you're asleep, the devil brings confusion. While you're sleeping spiritually this morning, you're so confused. By the time you wake up, you can't see the difference between the weeds and the wheat. The Bible says they quickly recognized it. And, And the Bible says, he said, an enemy has done this. See, sometimes the enemy will put a seed in your marriage. He'll put a seed in your mind. He can't get you to leave your wife or your husband yet, but he can plant a seed and make you start thinking about how it would be like to leave him or her. He'll put a seed there to make you think how it would be like to cheat on your husband and your wife. And the Bible says that he planted the seed, okay? The Bible said the devil planted the seed and he walked away. And what we do is we begin to water that seed. Somebody rubbed you wrong. Somebody didn't smile at you when you walked in, and you're sitting there, man, you're boiling, you're mad. Oh, I hate that person. Oh, I'm gonna get the back. You're watering the seed. Devil don't even have to send, send demons. You're, you're watering your own, you're watering your own seeds. You're making sure that weed grows really good. In fact, that bad seed is right under you and you're watering, you can't see it. You can't see the bad seeds that have been planted in your life. You can't distinguish the difference. Monday morning, you get up, man, you're wanting to have victory, but the devil said, I'm just going to plant a seed of doubt. I'm going to plant a seed of, 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 you know, insecurity. I'm going to make sure somebody doesn't, doesn't give them a good compliment. i will make sure that husband or wife doesn't compliment them so that way when they go to the office, somebody else will. devil loves to do that. See, we got to wake up. I said, we got to wake up today. We got to get our spiritual eyes open. We got to let the master gardener God come in and uproot some things out of our lives. The Bible says that the one that was planted in good soil produced a hundredfold, 60-fold, and 30-fold. See, the, the actuality, the seed is good. The soil of our hearts needs to be good. We need to open our hearts. The Bible, I mean, the Word of God shouldn't just be on the surface. Some of us, man, we hear it, it's just on the surface. We don't let it go deep. You're just ignoring what I'm saying. You're going to leave the same way you walk in. It, in fact, this month, it not even make a difference in your life. It's the soil. It's not the seed. God's Word is powerful. It could, it could produce and reproduce in your life a harvest of good things unless you let it get deep, deep inside.